Welcome to The Collector's Show, where you'll learn insider secrets about collecting everything, best places to buy, how to judge authenticity, and what are the collectibles of the next generation. Here's your host, Harold Nickel. Well, greetings and welcome. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of The Collector's Show with me, Harold Nickel. I think it's the sunniest day in late November I've experienced in quite a long time, and I feel badly for those of you who are suffering with lousy weather, particularly those of you who are traveling. It's right before Thanksgiving as we record this edition of The Collector's Show, and this week we're going to talk about stuff that I like, particularly during the interview segment. We're going to talk about plastic models and what has happened to the hobby of not just collecting but building plastic models and where the best breakthroughs for people interested in this may come from. We're going to go all the way to Japan to find out and talk to a man who lives there and collects and builds plastic models in the interview segment. Of course, just like every week, we have news from the world of collecting, and just like the rest of the show, we're going to talk about stuff I think is interesting. And one of my favorite shows, television shows of all time, was the old Mystery Science Theater 3000. And back a number of years ago, when the show was still in production, they would have a marathon showing on or around Thanksgiving. Well, those days are over, and the show's been off the air for, lordy, a really long time. But there is a Turkey Day collection, and it's a collection I think worth having, particularly if you were a fan of the show during its days when it started on the Comedy Channel, which is now known as Comedy Central, and then moved over to, um, oh shoot, what was the other network they went to? Well, who can remember anything? But anyway, um, this is their most recent contribution. It's called the Turkey Day Collection, and it's the 31st installment, which celebrates none other than Turkey Day itself, just in time for Thanksgiving. And if you're like me, you can give this to me just any time. There's really no specific or unique set of episodes that they chose for this or any other Turkey Day. Um, it was generally the funniest programs that they had on, and they were all pretty funny. So this is a set of four films that pays tribute to the annual Turkey Day celebration. In fact, these four wouldn't constitute a quarter of what used to be the old Turkey Day Marathon, and I'm old enough to remember recording this on VHS tapes. I think they have um, Jungle Goddess from 1948, The Painted Hills from 1951. This is one of my all-time favorite, The Screaming Skull from 1958 and Squirm from 1976. And if you don't know about MST3K, you should. It's very funny. And if you're the sort of person who makes comments during movies and TV shows, this is for you. It's the best and, in my opinion, 
some of the most nostalgic looks back at um, what was really a very funny and original program. And um, I still watch it occasionally on Netflix. It's really good when you can't sleep. Um, there's a great collector's box with Servo and Crow on the cover dressed as pilgrims. I won't ruin it for you, but if you were me or you need to get a gift from me, this is it. Who has the worst job in the world? I don't necessarily think this has anything to do with collecting, but it's silly enough that I thought it could show up in the news for the collector show. If you're comfortable with a certain amount of pain and were born with a natural ability to cope with fear, then there's a really good job for you. UK Paintball <laughs> is looking for somebody to test and try out new batches of bullets. Your job is to stand there and get shot with paintballs. And in their words, take the potential pain while paintball bullets are fired at you. In return, you get paid like 40,000 pounds a year since it's in the UK, which is going to be like $60,000. I don't know if you have to actually live in or travel to the UK to let them try these out on you. And there's probably a lot of people here you could do this for free. Um, and if you ever watched Jackass or any of the Jackass movies, um, those guys would have done this and not charged you 60 grand. They list a whole bunch of other terrible jobs along with paintball bullet tester outer, but um, this one is bad enough. I think they've got, what, flight attendant? That's a terrible job. Military, newspaper reporter. Um, I don't know about that one. I think newspaper reporter is a terrible job, but maybe not for the reasons that they cite. But anyway, given the time of year that it is, we don't have a whole lot from the world of collecting this week. Hope you enjoyed it anyway. Before we go to the um, interview segment, I want to talk to you, though, about an app that we've been talking about here for a couple of weeks, the Life360 app. It's an app that you can put on any iPhone, Android, that will allow you to literally track your loved ones. Now, it's not invasive or weird, it's something that you can use in cooperation with your other family members to know where each other are at any time. And it could be something as mundane and routine as meeting each other for the movies and where are you to other things that are a lot more serious. You can get it on Google Plus or on iTunes and the price is right. It's free. You can also use it, like I've said before, for other things. And I've told you about the time we had during Hurricane Sandy when staying in touch was a lot harder than it probably needed to be. But there was also the time we were supposed to meet for a concert. We were both at the same address, but one of us was on one side of a building and I was on the other side. If we'd had this app, the Life360 app, it wouldn't have been the, uh, well, there would have been far fewer chances for a misunderstanding. Let's just leave it at that. So Life360 app, you can get it at iTunes, 
Google Plus peace of mind as close as your cell phone. You should get it. And if you get it on iTunes, subscribe to The Collector Show while you're at it. Okay, so for an abbreviated version of the news and a message from our friends at Life360, stay tuned for Collecting Plastic Models here on The Collector Show with me, Harold Nickel. Well, welcome to the interview segment of The Collector's Show this week. And as promised, we're going to be talking about plastic models. We're going to meet and talk with a man named Greg Bauer, who, among other things, really likes plastic models. He has a very cool website. And while Greg is an American, he lives in Japan and is speaking to us from there. Greg, welcome to The Collector's Show. Hi, thank you. From, uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> thank you for welcoming me. I should say. Sure, and I'm nervous. no, no, don't be nervous. It's just me and you okay. here chatting. Um, sure. And you know, tell me about yourself and what the heck are you doing in Japan? Okay. Well, um, this is actually my second time living in Japan. I had taught English from 2000 until 2002. And that was right after I graduated college. Right. And um, I got married during that time, and we moved to the United States. Um, I'm from the uh, Phoenix, Arizona area. Mm-hmm. And uh, we lived in Arizona for about close to 10 years, and uh, then we, we moved back to Japan. Where in Japan do you live? Now, I live in Shizuoka Prefecture. Okay. So... A prefecture is kind of like, you think of like a state, and it's basically the same thing. Okay, and uh, relative to Tokyo, is it north, south? Um, it is It is east. I'm oh, sorry, west. west it, yeah. it, it is west, yeah, west of Tokyo. And um, so, yeah, Tokyo is just to the east of here. Maybe it's about two hours by local train or about an hour by bullet train. I had a chance to... Uh visit and work in Tokyo several times, and it's just a spectacular place. It's very clean, and um, everybody is just so darn polite. I envy right. you uh, the chance to to live there. And before we start talking mm-hmm. about models, are you are you still teaching English? Yes, yes, I am an English teacher. Awesome. Well, yeah. I appreciate you uh, making time for us, and it's worth pointing out that there's a 14-hour time difference between us, and so um, I also yes. appreciate that. So let's talk about models and Japanese people, because it seems like you're absolutely located in the perfect spot. It seems like there are so many Japanese companies that are way into action figures and, and plastic models. Is that your experience or opinion also? Yes, and actually, uh, Shizuoka Prefecture, uh, particularly Shizuoka City, is basically the the plastic model capital of the world. There are so many uh, plastic model companies either in Shizuoka City or in the surrounding area. You are the luckiest man I know that <laughs> you get to live in the plastic model capital of the world. And worth hmm. mentioning to the audience that I love plastic models, and I have a a room that's attached to our garage that is pretty much devoted 
to it. What got you started and interested in them? Did you start when you were growing up? Yes. Uh, I think I was in the third grade or so. My dad got me into HO scale model railroading. And uh, it was through this that I began assembling just the buildings, you know, mm-hmm. assembling the, the models of buildings, getting used to the testers' model glue and their enamel paints. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad had put together like a test track. Just It's just a circle, you know, but we never really built like an actual train set with like mountains and trees and all that. Uh, we never got to that point. Um, but that's what kind of got me first exposed to plastic models. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. in the fi- no, I, I was going to say that um, our our train track at my house growing up never really did much because um, my trains always fell off the track, and so that was <laughs> that was the end of that. But um, it sounds like a pretty decent a decent way to start putting mm-hmm. those kinds of things together. And I've never understood. You know what it is about? Oh, I don't know the tactile or the just the fun of building something right in mm-hmm. front of you. But I just, you know, all these decades later, still really love it. So, from the third grade onward to adulthood and marriage and careers overseas, what are you focused on for your model collection today? Well, I started out. Well, besides the the model railroads, I was like, uh, what, the fifth grade or so, my uncle introduced me to World War II airplanes. And um, I kind of got really started doing that. But at the same time, it wasn't so much painting them with a brush, more like smearing paint on them. You know, I I didn't know about thinning the paints. And for a while, I kind of, you know, got out of it. and in high school, I started doing some science fiction models, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, or Macross. Do you know what Macross is? No, I don't. Tell me about it. Are you, are you familiar with Robotech? That's what it was known as oh, yeah. in the United States. Now okay. that I do know, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So Macross was the uh, the first part. Like Robotech was three different shows kind of put together. Macross was the first one. That's the, the most popular one. Okay. So, yeah, I, I started kind of doing that, but I became really uh, just disappointed with the results, and so I kind of walked away from the hobby for quite a while, and then it was in 2005, my wife had bought me a Star Wars AT-AT model, mm-hmm. and she asked me to build it for her, because AT-ATs really knock her out. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, so uh, that's cool. her favorite thing. Yeah, she has this, this fixation with AT-ATs, and so she has like... like um, uh, the micro machines, uh, ad ads, and hold like what she would. She has one from like a. There was an ad ad toy that came. It was a Kentucky Fried Chicken that was only available in Japan and Australia. She has one of those things on on her desk. Get out. So yeah, seriously. So she she's an ad ad fan, and actually she uh, she asked me to buy her um, like the the Kenner ad ad toy. The you know they they re released it several years ago. Um, I never had that as a kid, so that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's um, that's a request that I'm gonna bet no other man on planet Earth has ever received. <laughs> so um, maybe that's that's very yeah. cool. Yeah, I, and so, like you, yeah, the but, the painting of the models really always threw me off because um, the paint is either 
won't spread at all or right. comes out in big glops and right i tried to keep painting to to a minimum mm. on on plastic models so you're up to 2005 and you're building adats for for the mizzes and uh yeah. where are you here lately with your hobby well, since then, I had learned how to use an airbrush. I bought an airbrush, and um, in what what year was that? That was in 2011. I wanted to build a Honda Fit model, and that was by Tamiya. And I figured that you know maybe the best way to get people to help me do it properly was just to record me doing the video and just putting them up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And because I, I was at the point where I felt confident that I really wanted to start learning how to make uh, a model look nice. And so I was posting on some modeling forums and I was getting used to, you know, how to use an airbrush and, and um, different types of paints. And I figured that the only people who would be watching this video were just people I would be directing it to, like mm-hmm. on, a, on a forum or something. But if, if you do a search for... Uh, plastic models, I, I think I might show up on the first of your list. I don't know how it happened, but that's that how I, first... Yeah, that's how I yeah, found really? you, was on your uh, your videos on, on YouTube. Yeah, the first video has like over 100,000 views on it, and I can't... I didn't know there would be that many people who would actually want to watch that video. So it's just kind of strange. I, I, I got a lot of people, they say, well, why don't you make a Ferrari? Because they, you know... The end result turned out really nice. You you could see me making so many mistakes during those videos, but it was a real learning experience. But I had people ask me, well, why don't you just make a Lamborghini or a Ferrari? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I kind of like cute, practical cars. I'm not into fantasy sports cars. I'm just kind of weird that way. And so I didn't I didn't think that those videos would be that popular, but now it's... Uh, I have a lot of people watching my videos. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, if you can get a hundred thousand people to do anything, it's uh, yeah. it's it's very cool. And yeah. I feel like you know the the traditional model makers here in the U.S. and of course the biggest one, you know, was Ravel. Um, mm. I think they've kind of and no pun intended here missed the boat. They could yeah. have done things with intellectual property. Like what the the Lego people have done and been very successful at, and it seems to me right. that the manufacturers where you live in Japan have have really stepped up to fill that gap. Is that an opinion you share? Yeah, I, I think so. When it comes to licensing, um, like round two models, are you familiar with them? Not really. Not really. Okay. Well. Round two is like an umbrella name for several model companies like AMT, MPC, and Polar Lights. Um, from that group, we're seeing models for Star Trek, uh, even Space 1999, Green Hornet, Batman, Scooby-Doo, Forbidden Planet, um, I think Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. several other licenses. There's also a, a company called Mobius. I believe they're also based in the United States. They're bringing us models for Battlestar Galactica, Batman, Lost in Space, and Terminator. Um, Mobius is also, I think they're going to release a model for the new sh- the, the new movie Interstellar. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, I haven't seen that movie. I haven't either. Um, but I, I know Polar Lights and I know Mobius. And in fact, um, mm. I've got the Lost in Space Jupiter 2 on my on my model desk nice. right now. And um, <laughs> it's uh, big and complicated, um, but really, really fun mm. to work on. But you're saying that this is kind of an umbrella group for the for the American manufacturers. Yeah, and I thought that Mobius was a part of it, but I guess they're a separate company. Um, Germany's, well, actually, Ravel is, I think they're based in Germany, I think? Well, there's a Ravel Germany, and I don't yeah. know the relationship between between the two, but I remember, oh, Monogram was big, and, yes. and Polar Lights did, oh, they did the old Dracula, they did the old Wolfman, yeah. Frankenstein, yes. and those were just terrific kits, and then they did Funny Cars and all kinds of things that, you know, somebody my age, and I'll be 56 in a week, enjoyed mm. growing up. So, but I think what I'm hearing from you is that between this uh, confederation of American manufacturers and the manufacturers in Japan, that this hobby has a future. Is that a fair conclusion? I I think so. Yeah. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, Ravel does uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, and also more Battlestar Galactica models, too. Yeah, um, we, several years ago, we tried to get them to uh, to sponsor this program, and unhappily, it did not work out, but that would have been, that would have been mm. awesome. So what's hot in Japan right now? I know you mentioned a few titles. What kinds of um, Japanese-manufactured models should we look for here in the not too distant future? I think uh, one huge thing right now is called Yokai Watch. And um, I, actually, I did a video. I was uh, building those with my daughter. Oh, cool. And yeah. And uh, that is, it's looking to be like the next new Pokemon in terms of popularity. I mean, the kids, even adults too, and like nobody can stop talking about this show. I've watched a little bit. I don't really, I can't get into it myself, but the popularity is really huge. Yeah, um, if you're predicting the next Pokemon, I think that as soon as this interview is over, I I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to go find those. So yeah. let's talk about um, models of of the past. Um, and I've mm. already mentioned a whole bunch of the things that I enjoyed from when I was growing up back in the 60s and 70s. Are you aware right. of places to find models from that from that area? I mean, obviously eBay is a is one spot, but any other thoughts on that? No, I I really don't know. Uh, here in Japan, I might know some places to look, but for like really vintage. Kids, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they're hard to come by, and there's a few. <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. That I've looked for and found, but the downside is that they're horrendously expensive, um, which I guess is part of one of the reasons why people like like to collect these kits. But I'm kind of like you. I don't want to leave it in the box. I want to, man. I want to build those things, and I have some out mm -hmm. in my. Uh, in my model room, I can't think of a better thing to call it that are, you know, 40 years old and 
Mm. I promise when I have time, I'm building those. Before we wrap up, you know, and you kind of mentioned this, um, that you were building models with your daughter. We we had Mm -hmm. a show a few weeks ago about board games and the fact Mm. that board games were making a huge comeback, particularly as a family or group activity. And my hope was that model construction might also be like that. And it sounds like you with your uh, daughter are having a similar experience. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, here in Japan, one of the, the bigger model companies is Bandai. Mm-hmm. And they typically, the, the majority of their models are aimed at uh, like an introduction for, like, for kids to get into. Uh, they come molded in colored plastic. Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of snap them together, and there you go. So uh, my daughter, she's six years old, and we've put together some some models. Yeah, it was uh, interesting to hear that, and particularly that a six-year-old girl is into it. And you had mentioned when we were emailing back and forth setting this up that you're you're building uh, a model as a gift for one of your family members. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah, I built... It was uh, by a company called Hasegawa. Um, they're also located in Shizuoka. And it is uh, Blue Impulse. And I just finished building that this past weekend. So I gave it to my, my father-in-law. So my father-in-law is Japanese, and he he will go on bus trips you know, far away just to go see these air shows. Mm-hmm. So he's he's really big into uh, the Blue Impulse. Blue Impulse is kind of like like the Blue Angels, I oh, guess. Sure. Yeah, so they are the um, the Japanese Air Force um, stunt plane pilots. That, that's very cool, and I want to first of all congratulate you on navigating your way to a successful career in in Japan. And I also, Greg, want to thank you for making time to talk to us about your your model collecting and construction hobby because um, if you can't tell and if listeners can't tell, it's something I I really enjoy a great deal. And I hope you'll be in touch and come back and talk to us again here on The Collector Show. Okay, thank you. Stay tuned. Another quick word right here on Web Talk Radio with me, Harold Nickel. <laughs> I absolutely hate not being able to find things, whether it's my car keys, my golf shoes, or you name it. I just hate looking for stuff. Well, there's one thing I'm not going to have to look for very hard anymore. It's flea markets because I now have the flea market finder app on both my iPhone and my iPad. Now, if you're listening to this program, you're a collector. You either collect something and you want to sell your collection, or you're looking for that one last item that will complete a set in your collection, and you're going to be going to flea markets looking for that one thing. You can find flea markets and thrift shops way, way faster now with the Flea Market Finder app, and not only do they list flea markets, but they also list 
thrift shops. They have over 10,000 different flea markets and thrift shops listed already, and it's so easy to use. You just enter your location and the number of miles from where you are to find flea markets. Now, I entered my address, my location, and I put 50 miles radius, and I live pretty close to Houston, and it came back with literally pages of flea markets and thrift shops I could go to where I could sell something or, more likely, buy something that's going to complete a collection. It's very, very simple to use, and if you're listening to a podcast, you know everything you need to know about downloading and using the Flea Market Finder app. Now, the price is right. It's free. They have a pro version that costs a whopping 99 cents, and that's the that's the version I got, but it delivers a tremendous value. It saves you time, and how many Saturdays have you combed the classifieds looking for a garage sale or a thrift shop or a flea market? How many hours have you spent in front of your computer going cross-eyed looking for a flea market to get that one thing? Well, those days are over. You're going to give yourself a lot of time back. It's also convenient because not only does it list the flea markets, it will draw you a map of how to get there, and it even lists a phone number. The Flea Market Finder app could potentially revolutionize collecting as we know it. Like I say, it's for your iPhone or for your iPad. I have both, and you get it from the iTunes Store. The Flea Market Finder app, go get it today from the iTunes Store. And while you're at it, subscribe to The Collector Show. And also, while you're at it, make it a point to come back next week to The Collector Show. We're going to talk about a software package that is going to help you keep up with your collectibles and not just keep up with them, but be able to recover the value of them from your insurance company. We don't spend a lot of time talking about things related to money on the program, but people are interested in not only ways to make money, but in ways to preserve the savings and things that they already own. So you're going to want to come back next week to hear about Collectify. So that does it for another week of collecting here on Web Talk Radio. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Greg Bauer and everybody at Web Talk for making it possible for me to be with you. It's appointment podcasting. Come back again next week here on Web Talk Radio for more of The Collector Show. Bye for now. The tanks have been wiped out by a wall of flames. Neither man nor his machines are able to stop this creature.